starting up with VirtuZone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Do this each and every Thursday between 1 and 2. Uh, we come together to chat about, well, exactly what it says on the tin. Starting up. How to get started up, how to start up uh, and how to be your own boss. And the only people to ask that uh, question or put those questions to is, of course, the team at VirtuZone. Uh, their chairman, uh, Neil Petch, joins us each and every Thursday. How's the week been, Mr Neil? Well, first, it's always a pleasure coming together, Tom. So thank you for bossing me around, teaching me the ropes, learning how to press the buttons. The the problem is one minute past two on a Thursday when we have to separate, which is is the problem. But coming together is fine. I like one minute past two because we have a neurologist on the show today and he turned up on time. Look at that. Um, So lots to look forward to on the show today. As I said, it's a packed one as well. Busy old week for all things Virtue Zone. Busy, 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 and Mm. all in a thoroughly good way. It's been a busy week here in Dubai, what with Arabian travel market in town and all sorts happening out there. The population is booming, according to the latest statistics, as is industry, as is uh, the profile of our first guest this afternoon. Time now for Success Spotlight, and the spotlight falls on a... Reality TV star, uh, someone you might have seen on your screens pretty recently, and also the founder uh, of a couple of very successful businesses core to the UAE, Forever Rose and the Forever Rose Cafe. Not many of you will really know about his journey, though. Raised in Kuwait and the US, uh, parents separated when he was in his teens out of his mother's studio apartment in Florida. He started, he personally started selling off-season clothes on eBay, eventually earning him one of eBay's cover. 1,000 Power Seller Awards. That's how he started building what is now a retail empire. He's the CEO and the founder of Forever Rose London, a luxury gifting boutique with stores in the UAE, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Qatar. He also owns Forever Rose Cafe, the UAE's first 2D Cafe. It is a warm welcome to starting up with Virtue Zone to Ibrahim Al-Samadi. Ibrahim, lovely to see you as always. Thank you for so much for having me. It's really my pleasure to come here. It's great of you to be with us uh, on the programme. And, I mean, I just gave a little bit of a potted history there of the journey, uh, the Al-Samadi journey that you personally have been on. Um, starting that business uh, in your teens at your mother's apartment uh, into what is now a multi-million dollar luxury empire um, an inspiring journey nonetheless um again i mean i'm gonna i was gonna ask you to talk us through the journey itself but we haven't probably got enough time for that do you do you take moments now to sort of sit back and pinch yourself and go wow look how far we've come yeah you know for me it's really shocking um from what we've achieved in such a short period of time because i never thought that i will i will reach a success you know like for me i started off as just trying to give my mom a better life. And when you're passionate about something and when you love doing something, it shows people appreciate it and you grow from there. But from when I first started until now, like when my first business that I opened, I felt that I couldn't handle a second business. But when you get used to something, it becomes a normal and then you grow from there. The entrepreneurial spirit, and again, that's something that's key to everything that Neil and his team do as well. Is that something you think... Was that something you were born with or did you develop that? Well, I believe that people are split into two categories, followers and leaders. So followers, obviously, they like their job. They like to be safe. They like to not worry about things. And then the leaders like to take risks. 
So I would say you have to determine what you are first, decide where you're going to be, because some people are really good followers and some people are really good leaders and you really can't mix them. Yeah, Ibrahim, uh, on, on, on the risk-taking front, uh, uh, we've got a, a lot of people starting up companies listening to the show and, and a lot of them are going to be using Instagram, going to be using social media to get out there. Obviously, you have pioneered that. Now, that comes with risk, doesn't it? It comes with the old green-eyed monster, with jealousy, with hate, with all of that sort of thing. But if you want to be a leader, you've got to take risks. You've got to do that. How do you deal with that side of it? You know, I always look at anything negative and turn it positive. So, for example, when this whole reality TV thing happened, we got a lot of negative backlash. And the way I did that is I took out the negativity. I thought about it. I, I determined what they were being negative about. I emphasized, I grew from there, and I didn't focus 100% on whatever's negative. I looked at positive things, you know? There's risk in everything in life. When we get ready and we go out to work today, there's a risk if, you know, will we make it to our job or not? So taking a risk is a part of human nature, you know? But it's about how much risk can you actually take, you know? And I always say a calculated risk is the best thing. So if you're going to be planning to open a business, you have to forecast that the business is not going to be successful for the at least one year. You can't just take a risk, put all your savings into a business, and then you fail because you're not going to be able to get back up again. So risks are good, but calculated risks. Always avoid negativity because negativity will drain you, and everyone around you is always going to be negative. Like when I first came to Dubai, I bring a brand called Amika, which is like this hair, hair care brand. And I remember being in a flat with other people, and mm -hmm. they're like, why are you bringing this? There's already this. Or like if someone wants to open a cafe, why are you opening a cafe? There's so many cafes already. Well, there is so many cafes, but it's also population is increasing. As you said, Dubai is increasing. Tourism is increasing. You just have to avoid this negativity. And another very important thing, don't take advice from someone who's not successful. Mm. It's simple. You know, everyone who is giving these negative advices, I'm like, what did you do with your life? You know, like you're probably in the same job for the past 15 years and you haven't even evolved in that job or you haven't even been promoted. So why are you judging me or giving me negative things when I'm talking about business? Just because you can't do it doesn't mean I can't do it. In terms of the people that you surround yourself with as well, I mean, it sounds like you're a very positive individual. Is that something that you like to admit to, to your team as well? I'd love to press a button now and get a sort of uh, a vox pop of all the people that are working with you. And I, I want to ask them, what kind of boss is Ebrahim? Is that something that you've tried to mould over time or, again, comes naturally to you, the, the style of management that you portray? So here's the thing. One of one of the presidents of a very big company in the United States has vis visited our cafe um, last week, and he's a gentleman in his 70s. OK, when he walked in and he's having more than 40 uh, different brands and businesses and over 17 different thousand stores around the world. And when he came in because we're discussing a deal uh, in Saudi and he came in and he told me, he says, you know what? I know when something is done very well. He was like, you guys did a great job in the design of the cafe, the food. But there's one thing that not every business can do, which is the vibes of the employee. The employee being in a state where he feels comfortable. So I treat my employees like family. I don't treat them as robots or as employees. They know that they can come to me for anything with, a, obviously, a professional mm. level to make sure that the job is getting done. But I treat them as I wish to be treated. So if I was an employee, I would expect my boss to treat me that way. Giving your employees respect, making them feel like they're part of 
the organization, that the organization is a family, will ultimately give you a hardworking employee. And you have to take care of the employees before you take care of the customers because it's the employees who face the customers. Mm. So I look at it as my employees being my soldiers. And I look at my employees being my family. And they, I tell them, always look at the business as if it's your family's business. Like, not have different types of wastage. Like, if you think about it, there's so much wastage that can happen without, without the owners or even any other way to be calculated. You know what I mean? Like, for example, when you're giving our um, takeaway items, mm. there's a certain amount of cutlery that you should be giving. You shouldn't be giving extra because throughout the year it can increase. Employees who don't care about the business or who don't love the business or who don't love the owners are not going to care. And the majority of employees, when they're coming for interviews, I ask them, like, which company you came from, they never met the owner. Mm. But with me, they can see me every day. I can see their, their achievements and their achievements can be recognized and they can grow a lot quicker. So for smaller, I still do consider myself as a small, smaller organization. And I don't know if I ever want to reach to a corporate organization because for me, the whole reason why I did business is to be with people. Mm. I didn't want to be stuck in an office, you know, giving commands. I wanted to be on the floor with the employees. Mm. It's important, isn't it, Neil, to build that sort of rapport? Yeah, I think the, the, the challenge, as you say, is scalability, is, is you can have a, an open, open door policy when you're 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, at what point does your company reach the size where you don't know everyone's names? How, how, either of them, how many we, employees do you have now? We've reached that. So we're about 350 yeah. employees. Do you know we're everyone's growing. name? I don't know everyone's yeah. name, but I do know something about everyone. So yeah. I know like some of the – because whatever happened, like at a staff party or something, I realize. And I always make sure that you know they, they, they know that. And I do try to remember as much as I can. And they – accept that for me because they know that I'm trying like sometimes I remember this one like well, I've seen you before somewhere they're like yeah I'm the one who did this and that you know so yeah I don't think after four or five hundred employees it can happen that where you can't do that but I think that I don't want to reach more than that like mm-hmm. I always want to keep my team small so that's why I've actually been considering lately to kind of like sell the company yeah because the thing is is that like I love my business but I believe that it's also taking an emotional toll on me I'm a very sensitive person um, I don't like to micromanage so if an employee leaves me it's like it cuts my heart I can't keep them because yeah. I obviously they have to grow as well they want to go to a different level and maybe if I can't provide the opportunity I, don't, I cannot keep them but yeah it hurts me to see them leave because they've worked for me for at least like 10 years you know mm-hmm. what I mean so that hurts me. So I decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm much better at creating. I'm a, I have a very strong creative mind. If we sit on this table, I can create for you a concept in 10 minutes that hasn't been done in the UAE or anyone in the GCC. You know? So I believe that people should utilize what they're best at. So I'm not good at micromanaging because it hurts me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to avoid that as much as I can. So the best thing to do is to create a concept and give it to a company to start it. Instead of me doing it myself, my limitations are only for what I actually can control, mm. which is obviously limited. Because I don't want to become this mass corporation where I become such a corporate entity that I, I lose the feeling of my touch when it comes to the businesses. Just quickly on mass as well, though, because, look, everyone knows you in the retail sphere here uh, in Dubai uh, mm. and across the region. Uh, you've been well known for a long time. Yet you have a whole new following as a result of <laughs> a not insignificant TV show that might have hit our TV screens in recent times to much uh, applause from Netflix viewers and all those around the world. Um. It's obviously changed your life to a certain degree. Has it changed the business's life as well? So we've increased business about 35%, and that was my goal. Um, I never intended to be on reality TV at all. It was never to my standard, actually. But I said, you know what? If it brings benefit and brings exposure to the business, 
and I'm the one to do it and I'm able to do it. And plus, I knew it will bring pride to my employees because they can go back home and say, you know, that's our boss that you saw. And um, I kind of I'm kind of enjoying it, actually. Um, <laughs> and, you know, part of it, like, you know, I'm like, you know what? Like a lot of my fans are actually demanding it now. They're like, Ibrahim, we want more bo- uh, podcasts. We want more interviews. We want to hear your story. It, it enlightens their life. So I said, you know what? So I went back to my team and I said, you know what? Let's get um, an agent in L.A. and let's discuss deals on to create more things. All right. So, Ibrahim, come on, dish the dirt, because we have a gentleman coming on shortly, thought leadership. And when I was listening to you talking about processing negative, brilliant. I mean, I want to attend actually your thought leadership shows. <laughs> now, I have researched you by watching it because I love reality. And when I saw you processing your negativity on the show, well... <laughs> It was a little bit in contrast to that. So would you say that you've grown through that experience? As a businessman, I know what reality show, TV show needs, you yeah. know, and I give it to them. Sound and bites. I'm the one to give it to so them. So you certainly do that. Exactly. So it doesn't necessarily reflect my day-to-day things, but I know what that business needs. So yeah. I do my best at that, yeah. you know. Um, processing forward, uh, I believe that every person in every part of your life requires a different version of yourself. So when I speak to my employees, it's obviously different than when I speak to my friends. You know, um, there's a certain character that has to be played. You cannot be the same person all the way around because yeah. you have to be respectful and attentive to that. So like in Dubai, I'm very different than I am in America. In America, I feel a lot more free to express myself. But here I have to respect the law and respect the culture. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. So. Abraham, we could talk for hours. You're that kind of guy that people, when you speak, people listen, that's for sure. And we could talk for hours. Unfortunately, we've got a green room full of guests out there chomping at the bit to get in here. So let's wrap up with some uh, quick updates. Uh, update on the business. You might have mentioned there you've got ideas or uh, ideas of, of the future of the business. But the immediate future, 2023, could we expect to see more expansion across the region? Absolutely. So I'm working on a huge deal. Um, with Saudi Arabia, especially the big city, it's called Neom. I'm working also on a deal in Abu Dhabi. I'm trying my best to be as productive as I can since I have the platform now and I have the exposure. It's very difficult handling all this and I recently got married. Congratulations. Brooke. Thank you so much. And, you know, I told my wife that I'm going to be on, so she's uh, obviously listening um, right now. And I've always, I've always heard, you know, that uh, for every successful man, there's one woman. But for my luck, there's actually two women. So mm. my mother was my first. And now my wife is my second support system. Mm. And they're both there to support me. And I am so thankful that I have them in my life. Because really, whenever I feel down, they're the ones to lift me back up. And that was going to be my second question. You are obviously a man where the glass is very much half full rather than half empty. For all those half emptiers out there <laughs> listening in, going... Give me the other half of whatever Ibrahim uh, has got, because how do you, what's your, your message of positivity to people out there that are feeling a little bit negative? So whenever you feel down at your worst level, that is a time where you have to shoot yourself up. Because you can, as bad as things are, it can get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that that's your bottom point once you feel that the whole world is coming crashing. Let's say you've lost your job. Someone's sick in your family. Take that as the bottom and then see the positive things in your life because we always can be, we always can find something positive, mm. you know, and always look at the person who's already less than you. Don't look at it, someone that's more than you. I can, if I sit here and think about people that are richer than me, I'm going to get sick. Mm. I'm going to envy them. But I look at the people that I've 
basically surpassed in my life or someone that's less or someone who's less fortunate and be thankful for what I have, regardless of what it is. Mm. Even if I'm in a bad situation, as bad as things are, it can always get worse. So be thankful for that. And always, always, always look at things in a positive way. Because if you look at negative, it's the law of attraction. It's just going to get worse. So look at things to be thankful for, even if it's just your sight well, we or are, your sense of smell or anything. We are thankful that you came in here today uh, <laughs> and uh, spread that positivity with us. Ibrahim, we can't thank you enough. Uh, if people want to get in touch with uh, the Forever Rose team, if people want to follow your progress, what's the best way that they do that? So on my social media, The Blooming Man, on all uh, platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and also in our shops, Forever Rose Cafe, I usually try to, to go as much as I can to see people and to meet them because we're coming, we have people from all over the world coming in. And uh, I don't mind to, to anyone that's feeling down and needs to be uh, uplifted. It will be my honor, my pleasure to do what I can. He's the Blooming Man by name. He is Blooming Marvellous by nature as well. Ibrahim <laughs> uh, Al-Samadi, thank you so much indeed for your thank time you so today and all the best for uh, all you. things uh, Forever Rose. Big thanks to Ibrahim for giving up his time and busy schedule, but kind enough to join us live in studio. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Right, time now to take a deep dive into the business of food. Not, though, before we say a big thank you to all of you for your lovely text messages. A lot of love there uh, for Ibrahim uh, coming through from a number of our listeners. Uh, So, the business of food. uh, And, wow. And what a place to be in if food is your business. Dubai boasting more than 13,000 restaurants and food outlets at present. In fact, the Emirate now has more restaurants per capita than New York. And that's according to the New York Times. Um, Neil, from your experience at Virtue Zone, does the government make it easy to set up food businesses here in the UAE? From my experience in the restaurants as well, because I'm a massive <laughs> foodie. I think, I mean, just uh, uh, the, the world-class brands that we have out here at the moment, which in itself presents challenges, right, because the bar is so much higher. But, yes, from a, from a, a structuring point of view, uh, it's getting easier and easier to be able to do that. Important to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. It's very easy to think that you've taken a shortcut, so don't do that. But, no, I mean, they're right behind it. And what I particularly love about today's guests, I mean, look at this series of words. Girl, lovely. Goose, fantastic. Nicaragua <laughs> and supper club. Brilliant. Uh, our guest today, uh, two spokespersons for uh, the food and beverage uh, industry here. Ladies first, uh, the Gabriela Chamorro is the woman behind a Nicaraguan supper club called The Girl and the Goose. Good afternoon to you, Gabriela. Hola, and good afternoon to all of you. Nice to have you <laughs> with us. And alongside you, we have uh, an Experienced strategic advisor, somebody who's seen a thing or two here in the UAE, has overseen the expansion of many restaurants, uh, not just here in the region, but globally as well. He's also the founder of Araculia Business Advisory Company. David Singleton, back in the studio as well. Uh, Dias, good to have you good back. Good afternoon, everybody. Nice to see you, as good always. Uh, Gabriela, we're going to start with you. Um, you could have gone, potentially, for bricks and mortar, cafe restaurant, food van, pop-up. Why supper club? That's a very interesting question. And um, when I started the supper club, I've never, I never started with the intention of starting something. I need just to take a step back and tell you why I started. 
I always wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be like my grandmother, you know. But back then, 20 years ago in Nicaragua, that was not something popular. So I went down the route of other jobs in life. And one day I just decided, you know what, it's time for me to follow my passion. So one night I said, I'm going to open my home for a group of strangers and see if they really like what I cook, first of all, because I strongly believe in that, um, in what you eat. We are what you eat. So my cooking at that moment was like everything healthy, conscious. So I wanted to know if people were interested in trying that and them trying Nicaraguan food. I was absolutely nervous, you know, and and that was the initial thing. Obviously, the concept has evolved, and I'm now in a different um, stage. Now, I've been running the software club successfully for four years, and uh, now I'm doing more collaborations with hotels. I'm having now one for three days with Issei at the Radisson Blue, and also 26th and 27th of May with the Waldorf Astoria with Chef Carmine. So the, co- the concept is evolving, but now I'm in a different stage. Where, how do I take what I do to the next level, which will be the restaurant? David, is the traditional concept of the restaurant, cafe, food outlet dead? Are people looking for new ventures like this, new ideas? I think we're all looking for newness, aren't we? New experiences and new ways of eating out. And this is just one example of entrepreneurship in this region, which is so it's, it's so admirable of somebody who's actually really working with a passion and doing a really good job of it as well and just easing themselves into the market, not spending $2 million on brick and mortar straight in. Let's test it. Let's prove it and get it working. Let's build some brand awareness and then go. It's all about the experience, isn't it, Patrick? Absolutely. Yeah, and loyalty, Gabriella. So uh, tell us, so you're going to monetize this business by launching a restaurant, presumably. That's the next stage of the plan. But how how did you commercialize this supper club for the three years that you've been running up until now? So we're still in the early stages of exploring opportunities for the restaurant. But I strongly believe that I, I, I acknowledge that social media nowadays is a big part. And... I am a bit guilty of not being good at that. So I will say that my strong uh, point is the community. It's the community that supports me. I wouldn't be here without them, you know. It's the people that come every night and love the food and tell of someone else. And then they keep being repetitive business. And I think that's important when you want to start. And as you mentioned, David, you know, I did not start straight into a restaurant because I want to test the concept, and I also want to create a loyalty. I want people to see that what they get in the supper club is who I am also once I grow. Hold those thoughts, people. Uh, why? Because I've got producers shouting in my ears, saying, Tom, we've got to go to a break. Uh, we will continue this conversation in just a few moments' time. We'll be back with our deep dive into the food business here in the UAE. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, joined by Neil Petch, chairman of Virtue Zone, live in studio. And we're talking food and the business of food, the Food Business 101, taking a closer look at what goes on when you're running a food business. We've been joined by the woman behind the Nicaraguan Supper Club, the girl and the goose, Gabriela Chamorro, uh, and strategic advisor, F&B and otherwise, David Singleton, who's also the founder of Oracle, a business advisory company. Both joining us live here in studio. Uh, David, um, Funding 
Uh, a lot of people think that uh, they can turn around the corner to set up their next F&B creation and the funding will basically fall in their laps. Is that the case? <laughs> yeah. We were saying in the break, well, my, my view of this, that I, I get phone calls every week and it's a very Dickensian view that from the outside world, looking at Dubai, how much it's thriving. I'm going to come to Dubai. I've got a cool idea, haven't I? It's going to be loads of money and going to invest in this. But it's not the case. Mm. Is, yes, there's a lot of money here. Yes, there's a lot of real estate. But come with something with a proven point of difference, and then you get your investment. And what Gabriella is doing is easing her brand into the market. And someone will see her beautiful brand and invest in it at the right time. But some of the traditional sort of mantras of a successful business, one of them, location, 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 does that still sit? Yes, it does. Yeah. And there are other things, Tom. You have a great location, accessible location. And the beauty, I think, of Dubai is if you can, you can build a hidden gem off the beaten track and it can still do well. Um, but what, what are your other points of difference? Great brand, great uh, menu, great product, great team, outstanding service an awesome social media presence and it's your brand awareness here you know, i've filled restaurants around this region in an hour just from the social media mm. by by that big build-up and then you've got to see it through mm. you absolutely have to see and it's backbreaking. Mm. david it, what i was picking yeah. up is is you know it's, it's so easy to say this is what you should do one two three four yeah. to ten but when you were saying that you sit behind this and you advise people, you're not necessarily in the spotlight. Let that go to the owners. Correct. But it's, it's kind of, you know, the mistakes that you've seen happen o- over countless times when this has been launched. Learning from those mistakes, what not to do. Yeah. What are some of the classic mistakes that restaurateurs make? I think a classic is, is planning your, your P&L. You know, the, we are not going to open this restaurant and it's not going to, in all cases, going to fly. So what's your capital cash flow? You know, you, you're understanding what it's going to be like to be in the red, all those brackets on the P&Ls for maybe six months, planning that. Staff churn? How, staff how churn, yeah, staff churn. So invariably you open your restaurant with 20% more people and always look at your team. Would I enthusiastically rehire that person for the job I've hired he or, he or she for every single day? And what I find interesting, Gabriella, is you, you listening on interest uh, to there to what Neil and David are saying. Um, and we're talking there about organisations, employment, um, uh, retail space, etc. And yet we look at your business as well. Um, you've ticked a load of those boxes. You know, it's unique. It's a different experience. Um, uh, there is that link as well. How many Nicaraguan supper clubs are there out there? How in, many Nicaraguans do you know? How many Nicaraguans are out there at the moment? But at the same time, a lot of your business is you. You are the business in many ways. So how do you scale it? How do you take it bigger? How do you move it forward? Because if somebody turns up and it's somebody else, as opposed to uh, Gabriella, then are they going to be happy attending that supper club? That's a great question because that's something that we have navigated in the new concept. You know, At the moment, I am the one who tells you the story. I'm the one who walks you through the dish, who tells you every ingredient, and who, of course, talk a lot about my grandma. But in the new concept, it's not about me because now what I'm bringing is the flavor of Central America. Mm. It's the flavor of a whole region. So these stories, they're not going to be told by me. I'm going to be creating the menu and the experience because it's what I'm known for. But someone else, someone from my staff, females especially, they will come and introduce you to the area. And this is when you make the difference. You know, it's not anymore about me. I am the brand. I am the face. But there is also people that represent us. Mm. 
You know what I'm thinking here, Tom? We've got a perfect team in front of us. You've got the passion, the creativity, the brand, and then how to operate it yeah. behind the scenes. And that, that is a classic thing. And, you've and got the when, goose and you've got the maverick. There we go. Yeah. Well, we've already talked in the green room about <laughs> I love it. We did, we did, we did. I'm but, so thankful for the things that you have said. But, but you know, when, when you look at personality is really, really important in restaurants. You know, we, we go to restaurants because we know the maitre d', we know the waiter, we know the mm. bartender, and and invariably, it's those humans who are going to draw us back. And it's how you're able to transcend your vision and, and your quest for this business right the way through that team. It's so, so important. And, of course, guests are going to want to see you in that restaurant, work in the tables, work in the floor, as well as your beautiful staff and the chefs being able to come from the back and work the table, bring the ceviches out and pour the cocktails and... It is magical what you're creating. Careful, Gabriella. He's going to invoice you in a minute. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's and funny. It's consultancy time. <laughs> because I had that experience two weeks ago. No, a couple of months ago at Boca. I took over the IFC, uh, the uh, Boca's kitchen. With Omar. With Omar. Omar. And first of all, thanks to him for all the opportunities. Yeah. But I just absolutely love it. You know, like having a like a busy kitchen. The last night, it was like 40 covers for me and they had 200 in the restaurant. And still we manage, you know, to provide the experience that I provide at home. And Omar's another one of these geniuses in our industry. He's one of the most super humble people that goes and, and works with people like you. He, he spots the point of difference. And if you look at where he is in DIFC, see it's dog eat dog there mm. you know why am i going to go to Boca than the other place than the next Too place much. because he's created a point of difference and he did that season of female chefs uh, and and it's absolutely magical what what omar is doing in that restaurant absolutely but at the same time okay let's take that example so yeah. omar and their things uh, okay well you get they go down to uh, get their companies registered where are you dic okay great they're and you've got your your all the bits and pieces of the paperwork supper club bit different i mean has in terms of the setting up of the business of the supper club was there a bit of a gray area there did you have to convince people that you know you're not bricks and mortar you're something different I think uh, this is um, an area where people self-select itself. People that comes to the supper club that follows you, their foodies. They can, they have the money to go to a Trison studio for mm. one night, but they also have the freedom to come to a supper club. Still, it's a very great area, as you mentioned, and maybe this is somewhere where Dubai government and Virtual Zone can navigate for all of us. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Let's get navigating. Uh, let's get navigating indeed. Uh, right, listen, we are rapidly running out of time, but uh, we've got plenty of questions coming through. A question for both of you um, from one of our listeners out there. No name with this one. Please put your names with it uh, when you're texting in on 4001. Uh, is there such a thing as a secret source when it comes to F&B success? Gabriella. Uh, we were just talking that a little bit earlier. And for me, I think the secret sauce or the secret ingredient is somewhere where my passion overlaps with what people really want, you mm. know. And that's what really drives me. And that's what really keeps me going. David? Have, have real purpose for your business and have passion and just you know, have zero, zero compromise at every single level of your business. Every single level. I cannot say that 
often enough. And I would say also demand, you know, you demand that of yourself. But Correct. You've got, to, you've got to put that all the way through mm. your staff. So Ibrahim was talking about it earlier. How can you motivate your staff so that they're as motivated as you? It's your business. It's easy yeah. for you to be motivated. Yeah. But how does the, the guy who's got a, you know, a two-hour journey to Sharjah at the end of the day, yeah. how do you motivate him? Correct. There's three different secret sources as well. Look at that. Put them all together and you will have an empire, that's for sure. Listen, we could talk about this for much, much longer. Last time is against us on this occasion. Not, though, before uh, we uh, give you the opportunity to get in touch with these lovely people. So, Gabriela, if people want to meet the goose, uh, if people want to meet you uh, and all the team at The Girl and the Goose, how do they get in touch with you? They can always reach out to me on my WhatsApp. I'm always available there. It's Five two seven seven two nine eight eight eight. Everybody knows I'm super open and supportive. Or you can just go to the Instagram account, which is Girl and the Goose with dots in between. I know a little bit complicated. Why the goose? It's, it's a bit, little bit long story, so I don't know we're going to have time, but uh, it represents three things. Uh, it's a symbol for um, perseverance and discipline. Also, the goose is associated with long migratory journeys. That's how I see myself. I migrated all the way from Nicaragua to Dubai. And last, it has to do with Egypt because the pharaohs, they used to believe that a Nile goose will lay an egg. And every morning we'd hatch the sun, and that represented hope. And I just love that. Beautiful. Love that. Beautiful. Look at that. The story as well. Uh, so over to Maverick now, uh, David Singleton. <laughs> you know, Joe, the industry is all about stories, isn't it? And, uh, and we were saying about storytelling, oracooli.co on my Instagram. That's one. Or find me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn as well. David, thank you for your time this Pleasure. morning. Good to see you guys. This morning. I've got my business breakfast out on Emma there. Uh, this afternoon, thanks for joining Always us. Gabriela. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much indeed. Thanks for being with us. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, yeah, Company Clinic now. Uh, Neil Petch, the chairman of Virtuson, and myself, uh, we're going to take a crash course on brand identity. Joining us to walk us through it is the founder uh, of Magana Watches, a UAE-born brand. Uh, Omar Chwe is the founder. He joins us now live in studio. Afternoon to you, Omar. Hi. So Magana watches talk of the town at the moment. We're going to find out what's special about them. Well, one thing that's special about them is homegrown brand, a UAE brand, a first in that field. So let's talk brand identity. What's the story behind the brand? Um, well, the, the the brand name itself uh, comes from the Moroccan word. Uh, I'm from Morocco. Uh, that means watch or wristwatch. Uh, simple. I was telling Neil earlier, uh, I needed a name that could be pronounceable by everybody everywhere, no matter your mother tongue. Uh, and I stumbled onto that almost by accident, and uh, it worked out great. But don't you think, Tom, that having a French accent makes every luxury product <laughs> sound that little bit better? <laughs> uh, you say Cartier, and then ask Omar to say yeah. Cartier. Cartier. It's Cartier. <laughs> you see, it just doubled in value. <laughs> see, look at that. Yeah, I'll buy one, please. Yeah. All right. Um, and in, ter- in terms of the, I mean, the origins are one thing for the development of that brand, as is that all-important phrase, USP. Mm-hmm. What is your USP? Uh, well, there are several, but I would say the key one is is... I wanted to make a watch that I could buy for myself, mm. right? Uh, I wanted a nice, useful complication and information that is useful. Uh, I wanted a price that would be acceptable 
not too high and something that is rare. Uh, but by creating my own brand, I wanted to carry some values uh, that are important to me. Uh, and these are what I call the UAE values. You have a value of culture in the sense that in the UAE, we all come from somewhere else. And uh, we all are willing to learn more about the other cultures with no judgment. No one believes that their own culture is better or higher than the other ones. The second value is a value of togetherness. 200 nationalities in Dubai, 3.5 million people. Look what we've done by coming together. And the last value is a value of mindfulness. By being mindful of each other, by being mindful of the next person, we are careful not to bother them, not to hurt them. And uh, we live better lives than most people around the world because we are in Dubai. Uh, and so these are three values that I want to carry through Magana. And one of the USPs is that for every watch we sell, we finance 212 trees in uh, the project called the Green Belt of Africa, mm. where uh, the idea is to plant 1.5 billion trees and help farmers in the region between Senegal and Somalia, uh, which allows to fight a number of things. Global warming is one of them, but also to promote education of children, um, help women gain financial independence and stuff like that. So quite a lot of things that I'm trying to achieve with, uh, with Magana. I think you can really see that the brand is you, Omar, and this is one of the challenges, actually, that business owners have when they're trying to scale their business. But in, but in this case, you can, you know, Omar's background, Tom, is he's been the MD of a number of watch brands here. Mm. So to take that jump, that's quite a risk. And then to structure a company and to find out where to source the complication and, and so on with a brand that no one knows. And now suddenly, I was looking at the website earlier, and I love the fact that you've got drops so for those of us that are trying to be trendy and trying to impress our children sneaker drops now watch drops it's really you know it's getting that fomo i suppose uh per perhaps so look uh, the truth is i'm not the first brand to do that uh, and the reality is that it 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 ticks a couple of boxes for me a it's a lot more manageable if I have only one watch dropping at a time, then I can focus 100% of my and my team's energy on building that watch to the best possible way mm -hmm. it can be built. Uh, it also allows us to focus our marketing spend. We don't have a lot of money to spend on, on advertising and promotion and so on and so forth. So by dropping one watch every three to four months, we get to focus all our energy there. Uh, from the consumer side, it's also making the choice easier. If I give you the choice between three, four, five items, it's tough. If you've got only the one item to choose, it's either a yes or a no. And that makes it And you're also kind of disrupting, aren't you? Because traditionally there would be huge expense of lovely stores and that sort of thing. And you're running at a, at a lower cost structure. Are you able, you know, because we hear, but we don't know that these complications, which we've come to believe are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but actually you, you, can, you can source them at a much better price than that. So, look, they are worth that much. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. And uh, in that case, we'll be talking about the Swiss luxury watch industry or the German luxury watch industry, where there's an incredible amount of efforts and R&D that is done to build these complications and to hand finish them and so on and so forth. But that is only 2% of the overall quantity of watches made worldwide. 98% are not made in Switzerland. And 98% of the watches that you would see, you know, that most people wear are not having that level of craftsmanship. I do not pretend that Magana is going that way. We are 
a, bil- a watch with a complication, a full calendar below 6,000 dirhams. So our concept is to give you a reliable, good complication in a rare watch. Only 212 are made for each drop mm. uh, at a decent price. And the idea uh, by selling directly to consumers, it's something we can do in 2023, not something we could have done 20 years later uh, ago. Um, by not going through the traditional business model distributor retailer, nothing against them. As a matter of fact, the watch industry wouldn't exist without them. But by cutting these middlemen, no one else is taking a margin. So all that saving goes to the benefit of the consumer. One more thing. You were talking about USPs a little earlier on. It's the fact that it is a UAE homegrown brand. Is that a USP in itself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Dubai itself is a brand. To say that we are born in Dubai is something that we take a lot of pride uh, of. Yeah, Made you're in you're Dubai. kind of riding the crest of the way because Dubai, let's face it, is cool. Yeah. Watches are cool. Put the, <laughs> put the two things together. I think you get, you know, it's got people talking. We happen to, you know, share a lot of uh, friends on, on social. Everyone's talking about it. I'm super proud that Virtuzan got involved in structuring it. So and, I'm and thank you about it too. <laughs> And thank you for, for, for making oh, that yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sound very good as well. Eh? I'll buy from you. It's it's the only right. thing I he can does say. speak French. He does. Uh, listen, I'm looking at the time. Unfortunately, we could talk about this for a lot longer. Uh, hopefully, our time's as accurate as yours is, Omar, as well. It, absolutely. Um, Magana, watches. If people want to find out more about the brand, where do they go? Uh, so on Instagram, it's magana.watches. And uh, online, we're maganawatches.com. We can't thank you enough for joining us no, uh, live you. on the thank show. You so Thanks much. for your time and best of luck as well thank with you. the new Cheers. venture. Uh, Neil Petch, thank you very much indeed to you and your team. That's another edition of Starting Up with Virtue Zone done. Uh, encouraging people to come on down to uh, the souk and say hi, yeah? Be your own boss, Tom. That's what we're after, isn't it? That's what we're after. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're going to be back next week from 1 o'clock Thursdays, 1 through till 2, starting up with Virtue Zone. You can find more online. Bye-bye.